Welcome data enthusiasts. We are Zuma, the recruitment agency focused 100% on data tech professionals in the Berlin region. And this is our podcast, Data for Good, connecting you with all things data. And today I'm happily joined by Ahmed Korayim. He is marketing analytics manager at Omeo. Omeo, of course, the travel tech business, uh, international travel booking platform, headquarters in Berlin, Berlin, team in Berlin, and offices around Europe. Ahmed, thanks for joining us and welcome. Thank you for having me, Joseph. Really a pleasure Good. to be here. Right on, right on. We've been talking um, for a little while now, particularly about your domain, marketing analytics. We are not going to be talking about AI-powered marketing. That was one topic, and perhaps we can save that for next time. Today, we're going to be talking about tracking and privacy mm -hmm. and the benefits and, and maybe their concerns. But anyway, you give us an overview. Why is this topic so relevant for you, and why are we talking about it today? Sure. So my job in marketing analytics is about helping all the marketing uh, people in, in all channels, so digital channels and also non-digital channels, understand the impact of their campaigns, right? And digital uh, channels specifically have the ability to get this at a very granular level, right? They can actually know how many people clicked on every single ad, how many people even saw the ads, and then how many people ended up coming to our platform and making uh, a conversion. So this uh, level of granularity requires um, a complicated infrastructure beneath it in terms of collecting this data and then summarizing it in a meaningful way for the marketeers. But then it also comes with the concerns that everybody talks about. What are people connecting, collecting exactly? What do the advertising uh, advertiser know? Um, like the person running the ads, but also what does the marketing channel itself, for example, know, uh, like in, in this case, um, the place where you see the ad. Mm. Uh, so everything around data use usage that the, uh, the user, it, it's a complete kind of gray area for them or unknown for them. Great. Let, yeah, let's dig into it. So from your perspective, marketing analytics, what is it there to do? What's it there to do? And also what are the benefits both for the customers mm -hmm. and the advertisers? We're, we're usually concerned about mm -hmm. uh, data usage and consent and privacy issues, but mm -hmm. looking at the customers first, purpose and benefits, then we'll look at the advertisers, purpose and benefits. Sure. So if we start with the customer, it's all about relevance, right? Uh, when you see an ad on TV, um, the classic targeting method by marketeers was that the people who watch this TV show are usually young adults or um, older uh, groups of uh, or segments of people or children or teenagers, uh, men or women, or, um, or or both, or, you know, other genders as well. Um, so it's a very basic form of segmentation or uh, targeting. But you don't really know a lot about who ends up seeing the ad and who's converting, right? In the digital mm -hmm. world, 
you can show this to even more specific groups of people. And these groups of people may have a lot in common that has nothing to do with their age or gender even, right? So it could be about their location, their language. It could be about things that they are interested in. It could be about uh, causes that they're interested in. And basically those interests can be summarized through what uh, what they also do after they interact with the ads. And this is where mm -hmm. the back loop needs to happen, right? We show people ads and depending on who interacts with the ad and ends up making a purchase or engaging even with the content of the ad, we learn more about who is actually interested in that topic, interested in, in what we're showing to them and not just interested but also how they are engaging with the ad was it engaging enough was it relevant enough did was it eye-catchy enough so we learn a lot more about the ads in the digital sphere and we need to collect this data in order to continue showing more relevant ads and more interesting ones and of course uh, showing ads is an expense into itself so marketing analytics teams have an opportunity to save the business money as well as you know getting to the real customer base more quickly exactly if we start business. talking about the advertisers exactly so to the business side we show sorry i skipped there didn't i <laughs> okay no we were talking about the customer now let's talk about the okay. business so we want yeah. to show the ads to the right people but inherently, inherently, we are avoiding showing ads to people who are not interesting. So interested, sorry, then we are saving money, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what what are the myths and the truths surrounding marketing analytics? So yeah, let's get to the meat of it, right? Most people will tell you now. I think uh, my phone is spying on me, right? I was talking to my friend about this, I don't know, cooking class. And suddenly I start seeing ads everywhere about what we were talking about, even though I didn't search for it, I didn't look, look for it, uh, etc. right? I will mm -hmm. tell you a story that happened to me personally when I moved to Germany several years ago, right? I yeah. used to live... Um, near um you know one of these um city sports complexes you know yeah, uh, okay they have a gym they have uh studios for different classes and things like that and this place had boxing classes and i thought why not try i decided with actually a few colleagues from work to give it a try we went to this boxing class and we had one class it was a lot of fun i decided like that i would continue trying this uh, a bit more maybe even buy you know boxing gloves and the whole kit so i don't have to use the the ones that uh, they lend you there that night i will go back home i start seeing ads on youtube for you know this painkiller cream you know uh voltarine and i get bombarded with these ads i start seeing them for several weeks almost on every single video I watch on YouTube, which is like abnormal behavior. Now, was my phone spying on me when I decided to um, go to this boxing class? 
or did I go to a certain place at a certain time, right? Where there is 30 other people mm. who, who went to the same place at the same time. And those 30 other people end up buying this painkiller cream because they, they get beat up so good in, in this class. So, <laughs> yeah. So Is that ge geotagging or geofencing? Um, it, yeah, you can call it geotagging, although I wouldn't even call it this way. So what, what they do is that um, the marketing channels, right? Yeah. They are the ones that have most of the data about, you know, the advertiser, right? And they usually have an AI. We're going to end up talking about AI again. This AI doesn't really like know that I like boxing what it really sees is correlations. It has millions of data points from millions of interactions, right? And it looks for relationships, right? So if it sees that this location, regardless who's there, has a high relationship with buying painkiller medicine, it's going to show ads for painkiller medicine to everyone that goes to that place at mm. this time of day. The word boxing won't even be there. You know, I say, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah so that it's makes clear sense. Statistical regression, regression, and if, for example, um, let's say I I go to Amazon, right, and I buy the boxing gloves, and now actually they know that I do boxing. You know, it's written somewhere in some database that I bought bought boxing gloves. Then I will start seeing even more relevant ads that are related to boxing, right? But the mm -hmm. first one that started it all might not be even related to what I looked for, you know? Uh, it may, it mm -hmm. might have nothing to do with my shopping behavior. Uh, it, may, it may have nothing to do with, um, with, um, with, you know, what I talk to you and the phone is listening because that's not really true. Most of the phones right now, modern iPhones and even Androids, if the microphone is actually working, there is a light that's going to go on, you know? You will know if your phone is um, listening to you. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure, but I would hope that people are a little bit more educated now and, and understand that, you know, our yeah. um, advertisers have thousands of data points on us already, and we are openly giving them away with our explicit consent on a daily so it's really up to us and nobody but ourselves to blame exactly and it's it can be a bit difficult to actually if you are really interested to limit every data point that is collected about you right but usually all the big advertisers they have somewhere in your account settings where you can disable personalized ads like if you have a Google account, you can go there and say, I don't want to see personalized ads. If you have an iPhone, there is somewhere in the phone settings where you can choose the same. And what will happen in this case is that um, the marketing channels will not use these data points to show you ads. They will still show you ads because most of the services that we use online are not free, right? You mm -hmm. see ads in return, but they will be random ads. They'll be mm -hmm. random and mm -hmm. you may prefer it that way that they are relevant uh, because you think your data is more private but 
you have to also like live with that that you won't see things that uh are interesting to you anymore and maybe you will even miss out on you don't know offers or anything like mm -hmm. that i mm -hmm. think um in the modern uh, world with the GDPR and equal laws in other countries as well in the UK and the US, um, it becomes an even bigger responsibility on both the advertisers and the marketing channels to not only uh, make sure your data is private and it's not actually personally identifiable because that's what, it re what really matters. It's not really what a machine learning algorithm thinks that person X is interested in football without knowing that person X is, it's actually not being able to extract that knowledge and share it with a human being that can use it, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is mm -hmm. why GDPR is all about personally identifiable information. So as long as this is happening, um, I personally would say it's uh, generally safe. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope so as well. We, we learned, <clears throat> excuse me, we learned from the Facebook privacy days that the user you know with the free account is the product the customer is the product uh, because of all the data points and all the insights that companies can gain about us so i wonder with that on a maybe on a general level companies that are advertising to us or not what do they know about us already what are the different types of data that marketers collect and track from us so the advertiser usually will know who you are when you visit them and create an account, right? You sign up, you give them your email or your phone number, or you click uh, sign up with Google or sign up with Facebook or sign up with Apple ID, then you are allowing these networks to share your email address with the company you're visiting. Then they actually know who you are, right? Maybe the only exception to signing up that shares an idea of who you are is maybe your IP address or what they call the device ID on mobile devices. Because once you just visit a website, your IP address is already shared. You can you know, avoid that by using a VPN or something, but this is where the GDPR banner comes in, right? Because unless you consent to everything in the GDPR banner, right? The company is what GDPR calls a data controller, is not allowed to share this personal info with anyone, even your IP address. You know, if you visit a website and that website has a GDPR banner, right? If you do not consent to third-party sharing of the data, so marketing cookies, et cetera, that company is only allowed to use your data to give you the basic functionality of that uh, website or service. And only when you consent, then you allow them to share it with marketing channels, et cetera. So what the advertisers know about you is simply what you give them, right? Mm. That is... is that always the case? It's simply what you give them? Yes. It's always what you give them. What you give them is not what you fill in forms. What you give them is your behavior. So if you use a search mm. feature on an online shop, they know you are looking for this, right? If you buy something, they know you are interested in this. If you share something to someone else, right, and you use that share button, right, and then that person clicks on the link that you shared with them, then they can know that that person came through you and is equally interested in what you are interested in. So there are lots of boxes, but it's always what you share with them, either explicitly by writing it in a form or using your behavior on their platform. So 
Mm. That's an interesting point about user behavior. I, I wonder if pulling it back to the life and work of marketing and data analysts, mm -hmm. what skills can those type of analysts be developing to be good analysts that understand user behavior? Marketing analysts uh, would require some expertise in the marketing channels that they are supporting, right? So we need to understand how search ads work, how display ads work, how mobile campaigns and web campaigns um, are running. Because once you understand how these campaigns are created and are optimized and are managed, then you can explain the, their performance by looking at the data. If you just look at the data without understanding how that marketing channel works, you may get misleading insights. For example, search campaigns and display campaigns. The biggest difference is that with a search campaign, someone is looking for a keyword, right? And then the search engines, they show you ads based on what you look for, right? And there is um, a lot more relevance to what you're showing them because it, it is related to the keyword they're looking for. But for display campaigns, for example, you simply either already know that someone is interested in something, so you are showing them a, like a banner or a video or something, or you just don't know and you are targeting what people call similar audiences. So back to this whole relationships thing that um, I know from the, the marketing channel knows that certain groups of people are interested in something and then it starts, uh, it starts showing ads about what these people are interested in to other people who have similar interests so um yeah and sorry i digress so the marketing analyst needs to understand how these channels work because of that because of how the the channel itself functions how the ad format behaves and how the customers interact with the ad format you need to understand that so there is some basic understanding of digital marketing is required and even regular marketing, if you're going to support offline channels um, like TV and out of home, et cetera. Um, but then there is all the core data skills, SQL, Python, visualization, and um, sometimes right. even data science. Great. Nice little detail there. Um, mm -hmm. Not to detract from the earlier point, we're talking about what companies do now. So we're not leaving any stone unturned sure. and clarity. What companies, uh, what do companies not know about us, and therefore well, they have to make guesstimations? They don't know anything that you are doing outside their platforms at all, right? So, for example, um, as as um, a travel company, I only know about what where people travel when they search on our platform, right? For mm -hmm. example, but I don't know where they travel outside of that. So let's say, for example, you book accommodation on a website, right? It may indicate that you intend to travel there, right? But that mm -hmm. website belongs to that other company. We don't know anything about that. The advertiser, the not the advertising, the channel, the marketing channel, right? That this company uses Will you will know that you intend to travel, and then they they may show you other travel ads from other companies 
without those other companies even know knowing that you intend to travel right because we and, all and omeo could be one of those but it wouldn't be because omeo has been but um, it wouldn't be because we know that someone is traveling somewhere because they made a booking yeah. somewhere, right we don't know that the marketing yeah. uh, channels themselves they have more exposure to these kinds of areas than we do and again it's all statistical relationships there are not uh, like user a is going there let's show them ads it's about users a b c d e f are all booking travel you know and mm. a, c d e f are unnamed users they are just identifiers anonymized identifiers they are traveling and then this group of people is interested in travel let's show them more travel ads from other companies that's how it works Mm. yeah there's a degree of logic going on and it's kind of that will allay some of the privacy concerns that users have mm -hmm. are, are there any other concerns that users should have or is it pretty straightforward um i think the real concerns here is who you give your data to by using their service right so reputable um, websites that are well known uh, they probably have big data teams that know how to follow the best practices into protecting your data, making sure it's anonymized, that it's not accessible by anyone. They have good security teams, all that. But mm -hmm. if you use a small scale online shop somewhere that's not using a big platform, like a small online store using a platform like Shopify, for example, that would be fine because Shopify is a huge company, right? And whatever they 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 do to protect their users' data applies to all the shops underneath Shopify, right? But if someone makes their own online shop, for example, they develop it from scratch and they have very few users, right? Or maybe it's, uh, I don't know, an unknown uh, Chinese uh, app store, uh, not app store, app uh, that that is still very new and nobody has tried it yet. I wouldn't trust them with my data personally so much until they prove that they are they until they earn it you know until they have a good mm -hmm. track record of um, not exploiting user data and there are professional organizations that actually do this on your behalf like mozilla foundation for example they do very thorough testing of physical digital gadgets as well as software to understand what kind of data this software collects about you and how and whether they collect consent about it and sometimes even how it's being used and they give mm. these products a score so if you are not familiar with a certain online service just ask about it uh, uh, check reviews online check the uh, websites of like foundations that uh, do privacy checkups or just ask your friends even right if it's an obscure place that nobody heard of it's better not to give them your data, you know, just don't, don't share your data there. Mm -hmm. When I think about, or an example I thought about is travel, Omeo is in travel. And sometimes when I make travel bookings to far away or less common places, I'll get a range of airlines that I can book directly on and their site to. And some of those airlines will be much lesser known. If, if, the company 
comes through Omeo or it comes through Expedia or mm -hmm. um, what's the other one? Skyscanner or Skyscanner or come through Skyscanner or even Google. And it sends me to this small unknown website mm -hmm. due to the fact that it's come from one of the big players. Should mm -hmm. we, can we assume it's safe? Um, I think that's a good question. Honestly, uh, there is no easy yes and no answer, right? It really depends on um, whether this big player is directly forwarding your data to that company to make the booking or whether they have uh, some sort of back-end connection where they make the booking on your behalf, but your data is um, uh, safe with the original uh, uh, like website they used to book the service, right? Mm -hmm. With online travel agents specifically, right? Because, for example, airlines actually require your name on the boarding pass, right? Airlines. A lot of detail, right? Yeah. Airlines are a very, very specific example because for security reasons, right? They need to know your name, your last name, even your passport number, which nationality you are from. Do you need a visa to travel or not if it's an international trip, right? So for all those reasons, airlines require lots of data and they also have lots of regulations right by their country of origins if it's an eu company there's so much regulation that controls it if it's a u.s airline even even a national airline of i don't know uh, a small country uh, outside of europe they would probably follow a lot more robust regulations or protocols to protect your data than than you know a small online shop you know so for travel specifically i would say it's generally safe but for example, yeah, I mean, it, it again, it, it really depends on that big um, online travel agent and how they transmit this data, how securely they do it, et cetera. Most of the big players are very well known. They have a very good track record, so it should be generally safe. Mm, excellent, thank you. With data for good in mind and uh, data analytics for good in mind, I wonder, for a data scientist or, or analyst, senior or otherwise, joining a business, large or small, what can they really do to follow good practice ethically and commercially? What can that individual contributor do to know that they're working with best practice, something that's going to help them later in their career as well as uh, working ethically? I think always and first and foremost, educate yourself about the data protection laws. And this may sound boring. It may sound also like it's somebody else's responsibility. And yeah. it's a very collective responsibility in data teams overall, not just marketing analytics teams. In every data team, in every company, it is a collective responsibility, not just of even the data team, but everyone interacting with the data that the data team shares, right? It is your collective responsibility to educate, educate yourself about data protection laws, whether GDPR or other protection laws, if you are in another country outside of the EU, right? And make sure that you are personally following them, flag or highlight to your colleagues and coworkers if you see a violation. Usually there is a legal counsel or a data protection officer in every company, especially inside the EU. They should also be a very helpful resource in need to in case you need to make sure whether this is good practice or not right mm. um 
usually um, every big data warehouse in, in every European company needs to um, protect its personal data in a very separate location or place from where the anonymized data sits, right? So for example, um, an email address is personal data. We never see email addresses. I don't know who a person is because we never see their email addresses or phone numbers or any of their contact details. Even location data is usually anonymized by um, omitting a very big part of it. Like I may know the, 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 the IP country of someone, like I know that this IP is from the UK, but I wouldn't even know where in the UK, for example, right? Um, so yeah, you need to educate yourself um, and educate others if you notice something that, that you think um, violates data protection laws. And always, if you're not sure, just ask the legal counsel, ask your data protection officer and make sure what you're doing makes sense. Um, whenever you work with marketing channels, um, you need to make sure that if you onboard a new marketing channel, for example, right? You need to make sure that this new marketing channel is included in your privacy policy. You have clear mentioning it, uh, mention of it in there and what kind of data you share with it if you do share anything at all. And um, you need to make sure that the proper consent is collected from the customers before even tracking them with that marketing channel. And this should apply to every new marketing channel you onboard, for example. So this is a very regular practice that um, um, I follow, for example. So yeah, I think being aware and also understanding that this is like your number one priority. The gains that you may get from being loose with any of these um, um, regulations um, are far less than the potential losses that you or your company may be exposed to if you do not follow data protection laws. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I would never think, perhaps incorrectly with the people that I recruit, that marketing analysts need to focus on this, but I'll take note, they need to educate themselves. It's a collective responsibility. They need to be need to be aware of new marketing channels and that privacy policy consents are updated. And simply or holistically, they need to prioritize, make it the number one priority. I'm conscious of time, Ahmed. Hmm. A couple of times we've mentioned the word AI and we've not talked about it, great. But lest we um, have a conversation another time, I wonder with the emergence of AI and marketing automation together, mm -hmm. what do you think the, the future of marketing analytics looks like? I mean, um, one, one very clear example that is presenting itself these days is that people are using generative AI to create more ads, right? So. Um, let's say I'm going to show you a static picture of, I don't know, a train and I don't know, someone traveling with a backpack or anything like that. Um, instead of asking a graphic designer to generate, I don't know, 10 variations on the same creative concept to see which one works better. Companies are now trying to use generative AI to create those 10 variations and also using AI on the marketing channel to actually test which creative works better, right? Um, there is a lot of manual work also on the data side that, that gets um, automated every day 
part of it could be in uh, data modeling, forecasting, and predicting uh, the future, but also understanding the impact of um, um, of your past initiatives on um, your conversions. So you, you, you know, mm. a new customer that you acquire, for example, media mix modeling is a very uh, good example. Um, although this is more like a, a statistical uh, model and not like pure AI, but even more AI solutions now are coming up to do this in an easier way and to help you. So AI is not only helping you um, predict, it's helping you find the best model to predict something, even if that model by itself doesn't use AI. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, you are. I, I've uh, I've not had any cause to use the, this functionality in ChatGPT, but I'm aware it's being used. Is it quite common? Uh, it is becoming common, I would say. Like it's gaining a lot of popularity. Okay. I mean, predictive analytics has been around for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but the, the actual creation of the ads, that's interesting to say. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, wonderful. I think you've given us a nice snapshot into it and you've given some tips for the analytics community to take note of as well. Um, Ahmed, thanks very much for your time. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure.